Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to No Script, No Problem here on the Believe Podcast Network. This is the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? No Script, No Problem is the show that takes you behind the curtain of unscripted television like never before with insight from some of the best in the business of reality television, documentary series, competition shows, social experiment, game shows, and much more. From the Kardashians to Shark Tank to Queer Eye to Naked and Afraid, if it's unscripted, we'll get into it. I'm your host, Steve Berkowitz. I'm a 15-year veteran producer of unscripted television. I've done shows like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, BattleBots, Outdaughtered, The Rachel Zoe Project, and Pros vs. Joes. Each episode, I'll talk to my colleagues and talent, people who've made reality TV and game shows not just something you watch on TV, but a cultural phenomenon. Now, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. It's uh, available not just on iTunes, but Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find it at Believe.com and Believe Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz. If you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Okay, that was a hell of an intro. That was impressive. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll get started now. Today, my amazing guest, and I love this intro for you. She is an accomplished producer, writer, director, and host with over 15 years of experience in, get this, here we go, sports, travel, ghost hunting, and entertainment. She has produced projects for Travel Channel, Nickelodeon, and MTV, amongst others. She is also a member of the Alliance for Women in Media and the National Organization for Women and this one I didn't even know. You hold a master's degree in television, radio, and film from the, is this SI Newhouse School at Syracuse University? Yes. Okay. Please welcome everybody, Aaron Ryder. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite an intro. Thank you. Well, you, you've earned that. Intro. You <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay. So, Miss Ryder, we've known each other for, a, I, I kind of noticed this, we've known each other for a little over a decade. That's crazy. I know. We met at 10 by 10 Entertainment. That's right. Right? Um, so I wanted to kind of start with, and I did this with some of my other guests, how you got into the crazy world of reality television and unscripted TV, because you go from getting a master's degree, you go from Syracuse, how do you then get into crazy reality TV? Uh, that's right. So I went to Syracuse University, I got my master's, and I left there. And I went to uh, NBC, and I started working the Olympics, um, working on the bid for the 2010-2012 okay. Olympics, which is amazing. Yeah, I wanted to work great. in sports. That's that was like so my mission. We have that in common. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. And then I um, went uh, 2004. I actually worked the Olympics in Athens, Greece, which was amazing. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I worked on the Open, and then I worked on bumps and teases. Came back from that. Went to ESPN and started doing the X Games. This is incredible. <laughs> Which brought me for the first time to Los Angeles. And um, I realized not everything New Yorkers say about Los Angeles was true. Some <laughs> of it's true, but not all of it. And uh, I thought it's time that I made a change and a move. So I moved from New York to Los Angeles in um, 20, 2005. Okay. And um, that started my 15 years here. And since there wasn't a lot of sports out here, that's when I kind of made my foray into reality. 
by way of sports, uh, my first show is an MTV show called The Final Foo. Yes, I remember. And um, that was kind of like, I was able to kind of cut my teeth on reality, really see how the storytelling wasn't that much different. Absolutely It was just not. more yeah, follow. It's, it's very um, similar. You know, yeah. uh, the sit-down interviews, everything felt really similar to what I'd been doing. It translated. It all translated um, into trying to... Uh, encapsulate really good storytelling, you know, by, you know, just following really great, interesting people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my story is very similar. I went from local sports. It's not as fancy as the Olympics <laughs> or ESPN. I went from local sports and then was able to transition to reality. And I agree with you completely that those skills you learn in sports, interviewing, even like editing and producing, it's, we're, it was a not an easy transition, but it was a transition that made sense. Absolutely. Yeah, once you got here. So you did Final Foo. You get to a show, which is where we met, with the White Rapper show, right? You white were doing Rapper the White show, Rapper and, the Pussy, and yep. the Pussycat Dolls, yep. right? So how do you, what, for you, because I know how I feel felt going from sports, you know, crazy sports, you know, really serious sports to then this kind of weird, wacky world where you're doing, working with the Pussycat Dolls or the White Rapper show. What was your mentality going from the Olympics to now doing something like those, those types of shows? I think I treat everything that I do really seriously and I, I wanted to put my full self into it. So it wasn't like, it, it was just a change. It was just different. Um, the, the one thing that was really eye-opening to me was um, what I started seeing with the Pussycat Doll Show, um, which was, you know, these, these young women who wanted to be the next Pussycat Doll. Um, I saw a little bit of exploitation. I saw really? a little okay. bit of, you know, kind of, um, you know, pushing the story in order to manipulate emotions. And that was very different for me from going from just having people tell these yep. incredible, amazing yeah. stories to kind of having to craft story in a way that fit the narrative that yes. we wanted to work. And I won't say it was, it was, you know, bad. Right. It was different. It was just different. And and and, and so I think um, that type of producing, um, which you know, you start becoming very accustomed to very quickly, sure. which is okay. This is the character that they are, and so you have to start building content around that right. character. And you know, a little by all means necessary. You know, you're you're there. You're trying to dig. You're trying to prod, and you're trying to kind of stack and layer story and kind of you know really get this the full potential from from these people that you had on there um and that was really different absolutely it, it was um it, that type of storytelling um was something i was not used to something i had to kind of grow that sure. skill set um and i thought i did it i thought i did it really well and i had fun with it yeah. i think you know the white rapper show still Hilarious. to this day people ask me about all the yeah. time it was one Hilarious. of the most fun shows that we ever ever did mc search was fantastic he's a great talent um uh, uh, Sasha and yes. and and Sasha those Jenkins. Yeah, yeah those guys. I mean, Super they were talented. so talented. Yeah. Um, and Brett and Gabe, like these guys that were were helping produce this, um, had wrote, written the big book of racism, <laughs> right? And then had come into this genre, which was very different for them. Sure. Uh, and it was just so incredible. You were just working with really talented people doing something really silly. Yeah, those guys were ahead of their time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like that was a show that if you did, I honestly think if you did a show like that today, people would really like it. I think it because it's so funny. Oh, yeah. It was really outside yeah. of the box. Was, we were doing commercials. Right. Inside a reality show. And cartoons. And cartoons. Yeah. And, and it was about racism. Right. 
right? Yes. In a in a competition in a, show. In a competition show. It was show, so right. I mean, it was so I get it. It was very nuanced and I think the audience was like, what is this? Yes. Even the overlay, do you remember the filter we put on oh, it? Yeah. We kind of had that like the, old the, yeah, the old filter, but the editing style even was very different from what yeah. everybody else was doing. Yeah. And to your point about it being nuanced, I think not everybody got the sense of humor. No. And I think that was very different at that point. That was like 2007, yeah. right? And it, not everybody got that kind of sense no, of humor. No, but it was to me, and to, to people that still, to this day, people will ask me about it. Yeah. They're like, sure. how's John Brown? How's G-Child? <laughs> you know, people literally, they remember those characters. Of course. A G-Child getting stuck in the telephone booth. Is, to this, like, I can conjure up that memory and still laugh about how ridiculous that was. Um, that was my second house reality show. Um, it was really interesting working the night shift and kind oh of, God, yeah. you know, being in, you know, the, the director's room and being behind all those cameras. And yep. It was a really impressive setup and we had really talented people working on it. And that was for me, that was also really fun because we shot it in New York. So that right. was my stomping yeah. ground. Yeah. And then we edited it in L.A. And so it really kind of tied in everything that I had been wanting to work on. And I love music. And so right. working with these crazy musicians like Curtis Blow and like that's I mean right. yeah. it was it was really something that was that was that's a notch in the belt I liked that was yeah. a lot of fun yeah, yeah. Um, so you go from some house shows and shows like that and then at some point you dip your toe into the world of paranormal TV like yeah but then this was kind of early on before kind of it became the explosion that it is today right sure you had Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. And other, some of the networks were dipping their toe, and you jump on Destination Truth. How did you go from, and you become a host, you become talent on this show. So kind of walk us through how you went from just, you know, you're producing shows and building that skill and working your way up, and then suddenly someone's like, hey, we want you to be on camera. Really? And I was really excited. Wow. I was going to be, edit, you know, helping edit it and um, putting it together, overseeing it in post. And... Um, I had just decided to take this international trip and post was going to overlap with this trip and okay. I couldn't do it. And so as I was finishing up the interview, Josh Gates overheard that I was going on this crazy international trip. I was going to South Korea and I was going to London. I was going to Japan. I was going to Australia all by myself. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, wait, he's like, he's like that, that's something you enjoy. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Like, I love that kind of thing. And he's like, well, I want you to come back. I want you to be in the field. He's like, I looked at your resume. He's like, you should be in the field. Okay. And you should be on camera. And that was something, so something I, I it did not plan for. We, But we hit it off really well. That's, okay. And um, that first, you know, season that I was going to do, we were going to go to 12 different countries in three months. It just, it was like a no-brainer. So 2008, we go out on the road. We go to these amazing destinations, and we're looking into these myths and legends. Um, it had a big supernatural backing to it. The idea was we were looking at monsters, ghosts, um, aliens at times. Uh, I w grew up a sci-fi nerd. Okay. Huge Ray Bradbury fan, uh, but also where I grew up in the Hudson Valley there was this, it was called the Night Siege. It was this UFO encounter that happened in the 80s. And I grew up through that. And so, okay. and then my grandparents kind of believed in ghosts. And so I had this like, I, wow. it was ripe for what we were about to do. Okay. It was like my whole past had prepared me for what we were about to get into. And then we go to these crazy places and it was, it was life changing. It just, everything changed from that moment. My career kind of I think there's a lot of career-defining moments in what I've been, you know, my, my whole career there. But that was, an, that was a really pivotal moment. And so 
at the beginning, were you on camera right away or? At oh, yeah. OK, so from the get go, how did that happen? Did you click with just with Josh and he was like, I want her on camera or what was the kind of moment where it was like and how did you feel when suddenly they were like, hey, we want you on camera? Um, I was very nervous because as a producer, you work so many hours. <laughs> you work yeah. 18, 20, sometimes 24 hours on these projects. And so now I needed to kind of look good. <laughs> and then usually you're on <laughs> set and you like have a hat on. Oh, yeah. You don't, you, you're wearing black and you're just kind of hiding. You're like, have your, you yeah. know, your clipboard and you're, you, you can do your job. It was, it was just like added another layer to an international show where it, we had very little, you know, time in these places. And then it was like, oh, now smile and, you know, and be funny sure, on camera. And sure. so it just made the job even harder. But the chemistry between Josh and I was just, it he, he is like my brother. He is like a very good friend. It's very easy to work with him. And so we just filmed what we were doing, which was going to these, you know, off the beaten track places Adventure was just innate because we'd have to repel to certain places. Bridges would be out. We'd have to, you know, kind of, you know, get around. All of that was just organic to the story. Um, we just put cameras on. Right. And so I was just doing my job. Of course, we had these, like, moments where we'd be in a market and we'd just have, you know, sure. fun, off-the-cuff sure. moments. But otherwise, we were interviewing people. We were investigating. We were doing all those things. And that the, the investigation part was the most strange to me because I, I – that wasn't something I'd done sure. before. Everything else, right. I've, I've been a producer. I knew how to produce. You could put a camera on me and I could just produce. Right. But going into a night investigation, that was that was very different. It was a little challenging at first, but, you know, we fell into it. It's a, a pseudoscience, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's not, there's no, you know, A plus B equals C when it comes to that. It's really figuring a lot of it out on, as you go and what works and throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so... I think you just kind of find a really good rhythm into using some police tactics, some, you know, um, uh, investigate, uh, investigation collecting techniques and, and little things like that. But, I mean, really, it's kind of make it up as you go and try to figure things out in the field in those moments. So in terms of what exactly Destination Truth is and what makes it different from, like, Expedition Unknown, which Josh sure. hosted, what kind of was the exact premise to the show and what made you kind of ex what made you excited about it the idea was um every country has their own myths and legends um their own boogie monster you know the, the boogeyman and and these 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 ideas of you know, the monster under the bed right. right everyone every culture has their boogeyman has their ghost has their lore um and we were going to investigate those things but the, the thing that josh wanted to add was authentic travel chaos, right? Like That's we were going yeah. to allow the mistakes to happen. You know, a lot of other shows were just making it seem so easy to get to here, to here, to here, to sure. here. It, it is not easy to get to the Gambia. And then to get to this tiny remote village that's that has the dragon scales of the dragon that you're going to investigate. I mean, those kind of things were really, really hard to do and to find. And so Joshua was like, no, all of that is going to play. Okay. Um, which was just really fun. And it made our jobs easier because we weren't having to hide any right, of the things. Right, it wasn't fake. Right? right. Like, yeah. you would go to these places. There were The only car to rent was Bob's. 
right? <laughs> like there was no Hertz. There right, was no, right. you know, there was no Avis. You're just borrowing some guys, you know, four by four. And it, it was inevitably, inevitably going to break down. And so those types of things, it just added to it all. I broke my elbow in front of a Whoa. monastery in Thailand um, while on a motorbike and then, you know, proceeded to, you know, kind of go the rest of the trip uh, with a broken elbow. Um, <laughs> you know, we jumped out of helicopters in a shark infested waters, not because we wanted to, because we had to, because the helicopter needed to turn around. It just, it was that type of show where you could show all of that. And it was a plane, uh, the, the roof uh, top ripped off of a plane we were, you know, in. It was like all of that was real. Yeah. I fell off the Great Wall of China. Like that happened. <laughs> like there's no, there's no like, okay, we'll cut that out. Sure. Because that was part of the, the charm to the show, which was, you know, to get to the bottom of the story, you were really going to have to do work, you know? What were you looking for on the Great Wall of China? I'm really curious about that. <laughs> so the the story goes that a lot of people died in the building of the wall. That's, that, the, yes. that they're yes. actually buried. That the wall is built off the backs of a lot of you know men who were okay. laying the stone. Uh, and so people say that some of the sections of the wall are very haunted. And so we were in the Jenku section of the wall, which has not been redone. And so the reason we even had to repel was because there are just missing, huge missing chunks of the wall. So you can walk wow. for a bit of it, and then all of a sudden you're just at a, you know, at a loss where you're either jumping or, <laughs> which no, you're re repelling. <laughs> and so we were repelling off the Great Wall, and it, it, the they had put a rug underneath my feet. The rug went, I slipped, and I was upside down. And I don't know if you, <laughs> the idea of repelling is you've got this, this this clasp that only works when you are when you are organically sure. up and down when you're upside down there's nothing stopping you right and so i kind of had to like throw my body into the wall to kind of shift my weight and stop myself from i guess dying and adding, <laughs> adding myself to the the other bodies yeah you, know, you would have been, been one of yeah, them yeah there you, you go would have been them. haunting the just great not wall. building the wall no. be, but searching yes yeah. so okay are you at this point you're looking for ghosts you're searching for dragons yeah. Are you a believer in all this? Like, are you honestly, you're having fun, clearly, sure. and risking your well-being. Yeah, so. at, at, right, yeah. Right. every turn. But is it an honest search for these monsters and ghosts? Are you really believing it? Or is this you enjoying the ride? It's a, it's a little of both. I mean, I, I, I will say I started out having no idea. Not even a little. But then you start realizing you just have to be open-minded because the people that you're talking to, something happened to them. Okay. Right? You're, you're talking to people that have lost livestock, have lost loved ones. Something happened. Um, and to them, it's easier to say that it's the chupacabra, that it's, um, you know, these, these creatures than it is something more complicated or harder to understand or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, and so deep down, I want to believe that's that's the 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 notion of sure. all of this is there are incredible mysteries to this planet that we live on i don't know you, there, there's so much we don't know there's more that we don't know about this planet yeah. than we do and so i think for me i i would like to believe and so but i go in with an open mind uh, but i've seen a lot of crazy stuff too so we what would you say yeah like what would you say I mean, you did what five five seasons? Five seasons. Five seasons, which is a ton. A ton. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's great for over our, fifty what, countries. For yeah. what we do, five seasons is a hit. Like that's a big success. Oh yeah. So yeah, and it's still airing. 
to really good ratings on the Travel Channel. Which is great. I mean, I see on Twitter, you still have big fans that are reaching out and want to know when's it coming back. Like they, they, You have a big following. What do you think has been the key to the success, even now? But what do you think? Why do you think people really kind of fell in love or really gathered uh, around the show? I think because it was authentic. I think because, you know, Josh is a goofball. I'm a goofball. We didn't try to be something that we weren't. Um, we never called ourselves professional. We... Um, like I said, allowed, you know, kind of those mistakes to kind of show. Yeah. And I think people really appreciated that. And you have to have a lot of humor when you're gone for three months at a time. Yeah. The crew becomes your family um, and you lose your mind a little bit. And I think, <laughs> you know, um, you when your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere and you know that you're going to be carrying four pelicans, you know, for, for eight miles back to that tiny village that you last saw. Sure. Or a wheel flies off your car in the middle of a road in Africa. Like... You, you, you're along for, for the ride, and you, you just have to accept all of that. And sure, you get frustrated. You have so many meltdowns. I mean, there are so many meltdowns. Because, you? Oh, yeah. Can a you meltdown? Imagine? Uh, can you imagine? Um, because we're making a TV show. Right. It's not rocket science. It's not curing cancer. We're making a TV show. So ultimately, when you're tired and you're frustrated, and you're like, F it. This is sure. TV. Like, why are we putting why, ourselves yes. so at risk why for all of this? Why are we fighting? Yes. Why are we risking life and limb? Um, well, but, but then you would just wake up the next day, chalk it up to being tired, and just have a lot more fun. We went to places. I went to Petra. I got to stay overnight in Petra in Jordan. Um, you know, we went to Antarctica. We looked wow. for ghosts in Antarctica. Did you find any? Of course we did. Of course we did, Steve. What do you, what do you think? What What do you kind of take away as your favorite moments uh, from Destination Truth? Five seasons of it. Five seasons. Um, the places that we went to that I just never, uh, never imagined even going to. Um, and we had them all to ourselves. I think that was the most special bit of it, right? You're In Antarctica, we got off on a glacier and it was like me and a penguin. You know, and that was like it on Deception Island. It was like us and, and a few penguins. Right. Um, uh, but uh, to call Chichen Itza, um, you know, uh, going to these these the suicide woods at the base of Mount Fuji in Japan, these really remote, very strange, very crazy, crazy things, crazy places. Um, it just leaves a lasting impression. It just does, you know, and it makes all the crazy travel, sure. missing flights, being tired, you know, um, having guns pointed at our heads, you know. Whoa, like, whoa, yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> Why are people pointing guns? You guys are searching for monsters and, you know, and ghosts. Well, why are people pointing? Who's pointing guns at you? Um, there were a couple times where we had some legitimate scares on the road. People ask all the time, like, what's what's the scariest bit? And it's like, okay, you know, you, you're walking through the jungle, and there's a viper in a tree just right in front of you. First of all, I didn't know vipers were in trees. But just it's <laughs> pitch black. The, yeah. You barely catch the glint of its eye before you're about to walk into a viper in a tree. So that, that sort of thing was scary. Spider bites and falling and cutting yourself and then getting kind of gangrene and all of that. That was all awful, right? <laughs> but Sounds like you were but, in a war. I know. This is like not war. I'm not a war journalist. This is, this is a travel channel, a sci-fi channel, reality TV show. That's the funniest bit of it. 
Um, but um, we were in the Philippines at the time that there was guerrilla warfare, and they were very afraid that we would be kidnapped and we would be held hostage, and so they hid us. That was a really scary moment. But the moment that was the most scary was Josh just wanted to set foot in Senegal. We were in the Gambia, and we count just setting foot into a country, you can count it. That becomes a country that you can now count that you've been in Senegal. All we had to do was set foot in it. And we just happened to cross right in this place where there were gorillas that were, were watching the border. And they put guns to our heads, and they demanded that we go back with them. We drive through their camp, and there is a massive machine gun in a hidey hole pointed at us the entire time that we drive in. It was terrifying. I knew a little French, and I had brought my card. I, I am a, a reverend because I married Carrie and Rob, our <laughs> friends, our mutual friends. It's a good thing and, you're a reverend, yes. And, um, you know, we just talked our way out of it. Um, but there wow. might have been a, you know, a scenario where we, we didn't. So... Destination Truth now has taught you how to get out of an armed <laughs> an armed situation. So if I ever, I hope that if I ever get in a situation like that, I have you with me. That is incre- yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I joke about it now, you know, and we had a lot of fun, but there were times where you're like, wow, you know, is this really, is this really my job? Is this really, <laughs> did I, did I go to school? Did I get my master's exactly. for this? Did master's I, did was I... coming in handy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was coming in really handy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think about it now today because that was 2008 until 2011. Um, that, you know, that, that time span, could th- that show exist right now? Could it be done the way we did it? And I don't think it could. Yeah, not I really its, don't. Not in its form. But, no. But, but that kind of leads me into, you know, you, you take that show and then really you go on a slew of other kind of paranormal monster chasing ufo chasing shows the outside the other siders mm-hmm. sorry finding bigfoot chasing ufos the unexplained true supernatural ghost asylum so how what you know did you kind of see yourself as this is my niche now i am literally i am the i am the paranormal girl uh, I'm the paranormal host or I'm the paranormal producer. And like, was that kind of a niche that you fell in? It's, it's funny. It, it, I did. I, I fell into it. It wasn't something that was expected. It wasn't something that someone told me that was going to happen. You know, I guess after doing five seasons of a show and doing a very successful show where we did live versions of it that were incredibly successful as well, that people start seeing that and want that. They want that, you know, hey, can you bottle some of that magic for us? Can you do that for Cartoon Network? We did their first live action show. Yeah. And it was Kid Ghost Hunters. Um, and then, you know, it was rinse and repeat. Do it for National Geographic. Do it with Aliens. Do it here with, you know, okay, do it with Tennessee Ghost Hunters. Do it here. You know, try to kind of recreate some of that, um, you know. That magic. What worked. Exactly. Yeah. That magic. Um, and some we were very successful on and some weren't as successful, but I think it just became something I was very good at. It became something that people knew me for and I became synonymous, synonymous with. So do you, uh, what would you say, like you said, Destiny Truth, very successful. Some of these other ones, not so successful. What do you, in your mind, what makes a successful paranormal show or monster, monster chasing, uh, type show versus one that's one and done? Why, what, what gets fans excited and gets them to, you know, follow along versus one that, eh, maybe not? Really, it's chemistry. I have to say, you know, people want to take the best in the world, put them together in a team, and send them out, 
And that doesn't always work because if they don't bond, if they don't create something authentic, something real, something people believe, it's just not going to work, right? You know, I think, um, and I've seen it over and over again, you can put a really great, fun, cool, funny group of people together, and if they don't click, it just won't work. And it's a lot to do. I'm on this journey with them. They're taking me for this ride. I have to believe them. I have to want it. I have to want to like, or I have to like them. Sure. And, you know, I have to want to go on this journey with them. So I think that we found that it's, it's a lot to do with chemistry. Um, and sometimes it's timing. I mean, you know, you can't, you know, let that, you know, kind of go. I think some shows, like we said with the White Rapper show, was ahead of its time. Some sure. of these shows just either fall in a wrong time slot maybe they're not backed enough maybe they're not advertised enough there's there's a number of things that go into it um but we've seen a surge in that type of programming in paranormal programming um because they have done well yeah because that type of reality programming works people like it um and it's got across the board there's you know all sorts of channels now do it including history channel you know does that type of of programming. Now. Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of where I was going next, which is Travel Channel has now become the home for paranormal programming. Yeah, it is for, the portal to hell. Yeah, it's now not even T-R-A-V-E-L, it's T-R-V-L. Yeah. Right, so they have dedicated themselves. I went, before we got on, I mean, I took a look at all the different kinds of shows that are out there. We have Ghost Hunters, which is now on any, but you have Expedition Unknown, which Josh is now taking it to Discovery. But you have Paranormal Caught on Camera, Expedition Bigfoot, mm-hmm. which I, I guess mm-hmm. is taking mm-hmm. Finding Bigfoot to the next level. It's now an expedition. Haunted Hospitals, which nobody would, if you ever get sick, you would definitely not want to go to a haunted hospital. Ghost Adventures, Ghost Brothers, Ghost Nation, which. I mean, you're, you're only naming. A tiny, yeah. tiny This is the only time about subgroup. So I, I'm not done. Mountain monsters. Mm-hmm. I would not want to go on a mountain with a monster. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Dead Files. The Curse of Oak Island, which is a mo- is a huge hit. Massive hit. For History Channel. Yeah. They're still looking for whatever it is. Apparently, they're still cursed. <laughs> the Unexplained. That's the Shatner. That's the yeah. William Shatner show, which I watched an episode in The Mothman. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of The Mothman. Um, you know, I mean, Shatner is iconic and it's a great use of a piece of talent. And then Vice, you know, similarly In Search Of, also on History Channel with Zachary Quinto. Another great use of talent. And then in a similar light, but not necessarily paranormal, you have like Hollywood Medium, right? On E with Tyler Henry. And then you have Long Island Medium on TLC. You have Destination Fear, famously afraid. So now you have celebrities who have ghost stories as well. You have hometown horror. I mean, like, I, I mean, I literally, I, and that's not even... No, close. I know, that's scratching the surface. Right. So, as you said, a lot of these do get good ratings and they have built an entire channel. In your opinion, why do you think this, these types of shows do so well and have amassed such a, you know, huge audience? I think... Everyone loves a good mystery. I think that's that's it. But we're all looking for answers, right? And I think when it comes to something like what happens when you die, which is a fear a lot of people have, is sure. that I'm just going, like a blink, I'm going to be gone and out. Um, paranormal, the idea that there are ghosts 
that that you could see a loved one, you could talk to a loved one, yeah. that all of that could happen, I think is really kind of exciting for people. Yeah. They think that, oh, there's got to be more out there, right? And I think people are really intrigued by it, really interested by it. Um, but this is historical. These types of stories have been going on for centuries, yeah. right? I think it's the same way that a minstrel would entertain you know, in the, uh, uh, you know, at a time, you know, for, for kings and queens and, and what have you. And now we've got, you know, The Voice and all of these music shows. Sure. At one point sure. in time, a ghost story was what captivated, you know, an entire town, an audience. Yeah. And, and, and it's still doing it to this day because it's, the, it's a very simple form of, of a mystery. And um, us trying to find answers for things that we may never get the answers to. So I think it's a very broad way to say that that's probably why they're, they're successful. Um, I think people are scared. Um, and I think there's a lot of fear, you know, around aliens, ghosts, um, monsters, maybe not so much. I think we all have our own little trigger when it comes to that, sure. right? You know, like I said, we, everyone has their, you know, every culture has their boogeyman. We have Bigfoot in our backyard. We have Mothman. We have, you know, um, you know, other, you know, these beings yeah, sure. um, around. They're a little less scary um, than, than aliens and ghosts. But still, we've built this genre. This genre is really powerful, um, and it's not going away anytime soon. It just isn't. I think there was a little lull, yeah, and then was. a massive, a massive. Uh, people when Travel Channel was like, "Oh, Destination America's not doing this anymore. Oh, sure. you know, A um, and E's not doing this anymore. So and so, I'm going to pick up all the slack. We're going to and and they really went into it, just building a whole, you know, backing of all of these shows that led into other shows, and people loved it, and it worked. I personally love the quirk. I love the crazier, the stranger, the weirder yeah. stories. Some of my favorite things that we ever looked into were the lizard man of South Carolina, <laughs> um, the skunk ape, uh, you know, uh, elves in Iceland. Those kind of stories. Those were really fun for me. Those are so I like that kind of quirky, weird, strange. Um, but but I think um, I think there's I, who knows. You know, you mentioned you know Ghost Brothers and and you know those types of things. There's there was a whole segment I think uh, a whole series on on women that were having sex with ghosts. So there's who knows. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, unfortunately, um, there if are, you can't find you know human beings, there's a whole nother group uh -huh. of people that you can date. Absolutely. You know why limit yourself? Yeah, I I think that's great. Um, <laughs> do you think that? Uh, like the whole just horror genre from movies has anything to do with people being so excited about these TV shows? Because horror has taken off. You know, you have all these kind of low budget horror movies um, that are that again are cheaper to do and get a big audience, and it's an easy scare. People like to to watch scary movies. Is it similar? Is it a similar audience that then likes to go watch? TV shows about ghosts or TV shows hunting monsters or looking for Bigfoot? Or do you think it really is just people who enjoy, you know, eating popcorn or eating dinner and watching people look for Bigfoot? There's some overlap. There, there's definitely some overlap. We go to conventions. I go to a lot of conventions. And oh, I would love to see that. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, you know, from the Comic-Cons to the Dragon-Cons to, you know, it's it's incredible. And it is a subgenre of, you know, that that type of world. These, this is a segment of nerds. It just is, right? Like you get very heavily invested in this type of, of world, um, and they're they kind of they kind of border on the horror. And so you'll see the guys that are, you know, the horror stars. You know, the guys that played you know Jason right. and Michael and Leatherface and and all of that are right next to 
the people that are, you know, infamous the for ghost the brothers, you know, ghost hunters yeah. and, and, and ghost adventures guys. There is linkage. Um, I don't think it's the exact same audience okay. because I, I certainly think there are people that worry that when horror gets involved, when, when you're just trying to be scared trying to scare people, you're not being open-minded about what these spirits actually okay. could be. Because not all spirits are out. To, they're not all poltergeists. They're not all, you know, uh, you know, malevolent demons, supposedly. Um, so, so this idea that there are, you know, good spirits, bad spirits, in between funny spirits. This idea, if you just go the horror route, you're sure. limiting yourself that to... That to sense. that. And also you're demanding act outs that are scary. And so you're creating, right. you know, these, these places I've been to almost every haunted hospital, haunted asylum, you know, all of those places all around the U S and the world. Um, it's scary enough, you know, you don't need, you know, the, the, the bedded music and you don't need, you know, the extra little bit. It's, it's, oh my gosh, show. it's so good. And the act out. So tell me you became kind of famous Yes. For your act for the act outs. What was your, your famous phrase? <laughs> what was that? So it was kinda like <gasps> What was that? Yeah. <gasps> what was that? So Did you develop that on your own or, or No, uh, it just started happening. I startle very easily. And so we could be sitting here in the studio and and something could crash or bang and I will say what was that? Like I would just innately do that here. It wasn't something that just happened because I was on camera and they turned the cameras on and I decided to come up with a catchphrase. I <laughs> genuinely, for years and years, I'm sure my parents have videotaped me being scared as a little kid saying that. Um, but yeah, there's a drinking game around. Uh, you know, drink every time um, I say that. <laughs> but when you're in the woods and it's pitch black, um, it's four in the morning, you're in a country, you know, that sometimes you don't even know where you are. You're like, where, what country are we in again? And you hear something. It's scary. It's really, it's really scary. And you do want to know what the hell that was. So <laughs> it's, it's not just, you know, a clever catchphrase. It is innately. I just wanted to know what was that. <laughs> is it going to eat me? Should I be concerned? I think you should be concerned. I, I understand why you would know what that was. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Along with be, ho hunting ghosts and everything you have recently, uh, in the past couple years, you've started your own production company, which is great. Um, tell me a little bit about... Uh, why go out, which is a, it's a big thing. It's a big task, um, taking a venture on like that. Why decide to start your own production company? I think for me personally, because I had gone so deep into this amazing world of paranormal, which I loved and I'm so appreciative of, of to my fans, the audience, um, to the work, to the people who trust and, and respect what I do. I just wanted to do something else. That makes and sense. in fact, I, I wanted to get back into sports. I really wanted to get back into what I had my first love, my true love, and why I got into TV to begin with. And no one saw that. No one could look at my credits and my resume and say, yes, you could yeah. do this sports show. So I had to do it on my own. And so uh, we went out with um, very talented coworkers of mine and we started uh, a company um, to try and bridge the gap for myself and for them, and also to fill in, there was a space in women's sports that we were, because we started the company three years ago, right. and we really wanted to tell these incredible stories about female athletes um, that just felt undertold. It felt like we could give voice to some of these voiceless, voiceless athletes. Um, I could get back into sports. It was going to check a lot of boxes. Um, it was going to be scary. It was going to be a lot of risk, um, yeah. but it felt worth it, and I think now looking back, it, it really has been. Uh, what it's allowed me to do 
is get back into sports. It's allowed me to work in shorter form content, branded content, um, commercials. I'm directing a lot more. And so it opened a lot of doors. Um, I opened a lot of doors. We opened a lot of doors, yeah. which would have remained closed if I just stayed and kind of, you know, went the, the path that felt like, you the, know, was was in front of me. Yeah. I mean, do you see, because I think now we are kind of in a weird time in Unscripted. Absolutely. We had so many streaming services coming out. Uh, do you see now having your own production company, what are kind of you dealing with as you're now developing your own projects and still balancing between producing, directing, and now hosting? How do you see things changing from even, you know, when you're doing Destination Truth to when we started, you know, back in 2005, 2004? What are you dealing with now that's completely different than you did back then? I, I think a good thing about the landscape change is it allowed small companies like ours to be, you know, up you know, competing with some of the bigger guns, which probably would have never happened if people like Quibi and HBO Max and, you know, these these smaller, you know, uh, you know, Snapchat, these places buying content right. that that that, you know, there's money out there um, being spent um, in very different ways. And it's just opened a lot more doors and there's more opportunities um, with that said, um, it's it's still it's very strange. People are working out of fear because it's hard. Metrics are hard right now. It's hard to understand what works. It's, you know, it's hard to trust, you know, that you're going to put money behind something and know that it's going to be successful because what makes something viral today may not work tomorrow. And I think a lot of people just want views. They want eyeballs. They want, but it's a really busy, you know, it's, you're competing with so many, so yeah. much media. You know, um, and I think it's really hard. Um, but at the same time, it's really fun and interesting. Sure. You said earlier the the Wild West. It is the Wild West. We're back at a time where, you know, you can throw out some ideas because I think you things got stale, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of people were like, this is the only thing that works. These big competition shows, you know, these right. big tentpole drama reality shows, these types of show work, you know, these work. Um, and now they're not exactly working as well. And so let's try this. Let's try that. And I think it's exciting to see people like Quibi or, you know, places like Quibi coming out to shake it all up again and say, hey, um, what could we try that we haven't done before? Or how do we resample or reuse something that's been done but do it in a different, really fun, right, refreshing yeah. you way? You have reboots and you have people who are just, they need the content to fill up programming space and so it is interesting that people will try new things or take something that's old and put a new spin on it put a you know a new new vibe to it so it is an interesting time it is the wild west again again again, again. Okay. i really i have to say i hate the word content i know i just used it myself but i, I hate it. it is the most sterile what do you what do you prefer awful. I don't, I, it's hard because that's the word, right? Because everyone's just banked on this idea. Like everyone wants content, 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 but it's like, we're storytellers. The whole sure. reason yeah. that we got into doing what we do is because we like to tell stories. So to just break it down to just content is so, for me, it just like, it takes all the good, yeah. the, the, it just, the, it's bland content. Just hate it. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry. I'm such a hater on content. Okay, I will try. That'll be my goal is to try and think of a better word to use. There you go. Content. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you for doing this. This has been awesome. I now know uh, not to go on the Great Wall of China um, because I may fall in. You know, I, may, <laughs> I, I may join. I don't. You know, We're uh, at a very specific section of the wall. Yeah. Please don't stop tourism at China okay. just because of that story. All right. Uh, but yeah, thank you. This has been awesome. And now I kind of believe in ghosts and um, I'm going to be looking for UFOs as well. There you go. I, I just, I came here really to just, just change you. Convert I just me. wanted to convert you over. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad that we got you. But okay. I'm so appreciative. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Okay. So this has been another episode of No Script, No Problem. Everybody out there, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. It's available not just on iTunes, but on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find it on Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and on Instagram at Steve M. Berkowitz. I couldn't do, of course, I couldn't make them the same, had to make them different. If you are interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Berkowitz for No Script, No Problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.